Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. This is episode 299, title, Avalanche Landslide Tipping Point Warp Speed. Subtitle, God is Getting Ready to Act. This is a bold title and subtitle. It's not an exercise in hubris. Synonyms for hubris are arrogance, vanity, ego, pridefulness, pride, overconfidence, smugness, confidence. My friend, if you study the Bible, you will know that I am right. I am correct. Words that come to mind that describe what I am sensing are avalanche, landslide, tipping point, and warp speed. Avalanche and landslide, mass wasting events that involve the movement of soil, rock, and debris down a slope. The avalanche can reach speeds of up to 80 miles per hour. Both events can occur suddenly. The debris can bury people, buildings, and infrastructure. Tipping point. The system or process reaches a critical threshold, after which it can rapidly and dramatically shift towards a new state or outcome. Warp speed. The point at which the Starship Enterprise was pushed to its limits, its maximum capacity. On the TV series, Scotty is the nickname of Montgomery Scott, the chief engineer of the Starship Enterprise in the original Star Trek TV series, and he's remembered most for his frustrated response to Captain Kirk and Kirk's demand for warp speed. In his thick Scottish accent, he would cry out over the ship intercom, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain, which he often said when the ship was pushed to its limits or when he was trying to get the engines to work at maximum capacity. To go beyond warp speed was to risk the total disintegration of the ship. Since September 11, 2001, the weight of the past 21 years of the demonic outpouring of evil on our nation has reached maximum saturation point, and we are on the precipice of an avalanche, a landslide, a tipping point of biblical proportions. The Starship Enterprise has reached warp speed. Scotty is giving her all she's got, and disintegration is coming. God is getting ready to respond in such a cataclysmic way that when he shows up in response, there will be no question where the event came from. It will be clear it is from God Almighty and not the concoction of a person or a group of people. You and I can either face reality and prepare our hearts and minds to be sober-minded and able to respond in the power and strength of the Lord and walk through the time in victory, or we will be brought down by the event. Jack Hibbs, senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, is also talking about this present reality in which we find ourselves. That's in California. In his Palm Sunday sermon on April 2nd, which I featured in the show notes, a link to his sermon on YouTube. In his sermon titled Out of the Darkness, he said that we are living in a world of lies engineered by the father of lies, Satan himself, and doctrines of demons. He asks the question, how do you come up with strange argumentation and the most bizarre antichrist logic? And he's referring to all that's happening today. He calls it doctrines of demons. And he says, the war has spilled over into our physical realm, speaking lies and hypocrisy, their conscience seared with a hot iron. And you see these horrific scenes in public school libraries right now, which is a reference to the mass shooting we just had here in Nashville. Friend, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear can walk in truth and love and have all fear cast aside. So listen to what I'm saying. I'm not being contradictory to my mission, to my purpose, 
and that's to advance the peace of Christ in our hearts, in your heart and my heart, in the midst of this deeply, deeply agitated world. I absolutely believe that those who have eyes to see and ears to hear can walk in truth and love and have all fear cast aside. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're a Christian, it doesn't make you immune from the tyranny and struggles of this present day. But possessing salvation through Christ Jesus does color your world with hope, even in the darkest day. On the scale of eternity, these present afflictions are a passing thing that are necessary to bring about the close of the age and the ushering in of the saints into the presence of God Almighty for eternal life, rest, and flourishing. Two nights ago, my mind was bombarded by two news stories that sent my spirit reeling. Both were very disturbing on different planes, but somehow they came crashing into my spirit, and my spirit rose up and said, Enough! One was the story of the all-American swimmer Riley Gaines. A great article by Wyatt Emmerich is in the opinion section of the northsidesun.com, and it summarizes the key points of her story. You can click on it in the show notes. I have also included a link to her video testimony. My friend, it will rot your gut to hear her speak firsthand on what she endured. When you hear her tell firsthand the insanity she has had to endure at the hands of the NCAA swim officials, it'll blow your mind. Emmerich writes, in a nutshell, after training and sacrificing for years to win an NCAA championship, she found herself swimming against a man who decided to call himself a woman. They tied. He got the trophy and all the attention for his transgender bravery. Her most poignant words were describing being naked in the small locker room, squeezing into a tiny swimsuit in full view of a man with a full set of exposed male genitalia. In her video testimony, she makes it clear that this event occurred without warning. This was traumatic to Riley and the other female swimmers. Exposing yourself this way in front of other women takes years of getting used to. Having to do it suddenly in front of a man, naked in close quarters, was traumatizing. But those feelings apparently carry no weight compared to the desire by the NCAA officials to comply with transgender wokeism. Sheer insanity happening without any repulsion or organized response from the pastors of the churches of this nation. My friend, that is the bigger shock. That's the real news story. The second story is in the New York Post article featured on April 1st, 2023. The headline reads, New Jersey factory imports cocaine plant that flavors Coca-Cola thanks to DEA arrangement. It reads, quote, Coca-Cola gets its iconic taste thanks in part to a chemical processing factory in a sleepy New Jersey neighborhood that has the country's only license to import the plant used to make cocaine. The Maywood facility, now managed by the Steppen Company, has been processing coca leaves for the soft drink giant for more than a century and had its license to import them renewed by the Drug Enforcement Agency earlier this year. The coca leaves are used to create a quote-unquote decocainized ingredient for the soda and the leftover product is sold to the opioid manufacturing company Malincrant which uses the powder to make a numbing agent for dentists, so reports the Daily Mail. It is unclear how much coca leaves the Steppen Company imports annually, although the New York Times reported in 1988 that it brought in between 56 and 588 metric tons of coca leaves from Peru and Bolivia each year, citing DEA figures. My friend, that is sheer insanity. 
If you wrote out the list of all the mayhem that has been pouring forth against you and I since the turn of the millennium, it is no wonder that so many people have turned to alternative means to cope with the mental overload. Like my father, who lived a life of great grief and turmoil, when he became ill to the point he could no longer drink large quantities of beer, he turned to Crown Royal whiskey. When I saw the Crown Royal on the kitchen cabinet, I asked my dad who the bottle belonged to. He replied, it's mine. My dad had never been a distillate drinker because it made him vomiting sick. His stomach couldn't handle it. I asked my dad, since when did you start drinking whiskey? He said, because I can't handle the volume. I didn't understand what he was talking about. Then he clearly said, because I can't drink enough beer to get drunk. He finally openly confessed after all those years that he intentionally drank to get drunk. I honestly thought that my dad drank beer because he liked the taste and got drunk as a side effect. He said no, that he drank beer to get drunk as a form of self-medication. The use of that term really shocked me, that he admitted he was numbing his mind on purpose. Gordon MacDonald, in his book, When Men Think Private Thoughts, in chapter 10, page 159, regarding the use of pain suppressors, this is what he says, that it becomes the habit of the heart to suppress it with experiences that create a state of anesthesia. If there's enough alcohol in the system, enough sexual stimulation, enough distraction of work-related issues, he doesn't have to think about the condition deep within. Slam the door shut on what the heart screams out. Seek the virtual reality of a more serene state. It works for a while, but the reflective man asks, what he might be running from when he prefers the state of anesthesia rather than a clear mind. In the midst of this mental onslaught against every facet of lives, we have to ask ourselves, do we prefer the state of anesthesia to a clear mind? My friend, these are the days that call for a sober mind, both sober chemically and spiritually. Here are some Bible verses that speak about being sober-minded. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Titus chapter 2, verses 6-8, through 8, the Apostle Paul wrote, In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach, so that any opponent will be ashamed, because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6-8 through eight. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34 Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right. And do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. If the people of our nation will repent of their wicked ways, even at this final moment, we can experience a Nineveh event where God rescinds His wrath and judgment and welcomes us into His glory and blessings without the holdback of His love. I ask you, friend, is your mind sober and prepared for the coming visitation by God? 
You need to prepare now. Are you talking to those you love about how they can be prepared by entering into a real eternal friendship with Jesus? My friend, it is time to speak clearly with boldness and to get beyond ourselves. It's time to die to ourselves so that others might live. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.